Hi there, and welcome to Power Play. I'm Vashi Capellos. Tonight, we are tracking some major breaking news. The head of the RCMP steps down. Embattled, RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky has just announced her retirement. The latest details and reaction to it in moments on this program. Plus, another developing story we're watching very closely, the political saga at Toronto's City Hall. Toronto Mayor John Tory repeatedly booed today at city budget debates. He's announced he will resign over an office affair, but has not submitted the papers for that. Yet we are live at City Hall in just a moment, but first. I want to start off with that breaking and developing news, I should say. Brenda Lucky, just this afternoon, the commissioner of the RCMP, announcing in a statement that she will retire from the force and from that position. She is the first woman to hold it. Uh, the statement reads in part, today I announced that I have made a personal decision to retire. This was not an easy decision, as I love the RCMP and have loved being the 24th commissioner. I am so incredibly proud to have had the opportunity, she writes, to lead the his this historic, rather organized and witness firsthand the tremendous work being done each and every day by all employees from coast to coast to coast and internationally. Uh, Brenda Lucky was appointed to this position in 2018. She said just in November when she was uh, testifying before the commission looking into the invocation of the Emergencies Act that she was absolutely staying on as commissioner of the RCMP. She has uh, endured several controversies during her time in that position and we'll delve a little closer into those controversies throughout the program. But but we first want to get to some reaction to what is very significant news on the policing front nationally in this country from Brian Sove. He's the president of the National Police Federation and a serving member of the RCMP currently on a leave of absence. Just for people watching, um, uh, Brian, uh, this is essentially the, the union that represents members of the RCMP. That, it is. Yes. So, so were you surprised? I, will, I was telling you in the break, I opened up the, my various websites this morning and read you commending the work that Brenda Lucky had done so far, sort of saying we have a good relationship. Are you surprised that she made this decision? Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, everyone has a shelf life. And as she mentioned in her message, this was a personal decision for her. And I wish her the best in her retirement. A lovely lady and very, very personable. And I think part of that personality obviously led to the relationship that the NPF has had with senior management in the RCMP to try and resolve labor issues at the lowest possible level, which some might find is um, a step outside the norm, where usually it's adversary, labor versus management. And we have to recall that, you know, Brenda took the job before the NPF was even certified. So we weren't a union yet. So she did lead the organization through uh, some labor change, some considerable labor change, and then ultimately the ratification of our first collective agreement. And those open door policies, uh, I think, are a good thing for future labor. To it, be. It's interesting, and, and I read your comments this morning with note because, and I know you have your own thoughts on kind of the, the scrutiny over, over Commissioner Lucky, but but there was a lot of it, right? And she faced um, a number of big stories. The, the Emergencies Act, the inquiry into the awful uh, mass murder in Nova Scotia, um, you know, questions around systemic racism and the way she handled them. Like, uh, there, she, was, she was always facing uh, a barrage of questions. She was always, people were always asking, are you going to stay on? It sounds to me like you knew someone very different than the Brenda Lucky we saw through the camera. Well, I think, uh, but that's the, the role, 
Right. You know, as the commissioner of the RCMP, uh, responsible for the largest policing agency in Canada and second one in North America, uh, there is going to be a lot of scrutiny and public scrutiny. Any misstep, and I'm very alive to the fact that any story about the RCMP all of a sudden is national, sometimes international news, versus smaller police agencies where it can be somewhat locally held. So the role, if we go back to a number of previous commissioners, there's always been challenges and there's always been public scrutiny of decisions that they make and how they handle them. Unfortunately, circumstances she could not have predicted, we could not have predicted the Mass Casualty Commission or the Mass Casualty Inquiry or the uh, tragic incidents that happened in Porto Peak. She just happens to be in that role at that time. Would someone different have handled it differently? I don't know and we'll never know. Similarly with the occupation here in Ottawa. In, for example, the the inquiry into what happened to Nova Scotia, it, it ended up sort of pitting her against some of your uh, some of the RCMP's other members. Well, what is your sense of, of what the membership felt about her her time in the role and, and her um, her I guess effectiveness or, or lack thereof, whatever it may be, in the job? And do you think that the controversy that surrounded her affected their view of her? Well, I think a number of things um, on that. You know, we have to go back to uh, early 2020 when the mass casualty happened and hot on the heels of that, obviously, you had George Floyd in the United States, the defund the police movement, the systemic racism conversation. And then just after that, obviously, you came into um, the Occupy Ottawa and the Public Order Emergency Commission. So I think our membership would disagree with some of the leadership decisions and how she made those decisions. Uh, but I think a lot of our membership appreciated the fact that she's a people person and she does extremely well in person with our membership. I've seen it firsthand and she was hampered by COVID restrictions, gathering restrictions and being able to deliver that message in person. Do, when you think about what's next and what's ahead and who ultimately will replace her, um, what is the, the most important thing for you and the members of the RCMP that is addressed with that appointment? Well, I'm, I'm biased. So obviously from a union perspective, um, I would love to see the somewhat open door policy carry on and the ability for our representatives in each division across the country, each province across the country to have those open frank communications and discussions about low level issues and be able to solve them. From a broader perspective, I think strategic leadership and the ability to implement a plan um, coming forward or even to pick up on the plan that the commissioner has left behind and be able to implement that in, in, in a very sensible manner from our membership's perspective. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, Mr. Sobe, for joining us. Brian Sobe is the president of the National Police Federation. So once again, to reiterate, Brenda Lucky, the commissioner of the RCMP, has announced she is retiring after 37 years uh, in the force and uh, at least four, more just over four years at the helm uh, since 2018. She was in that position. I do want to read, uh, read rather just a brief statement from Marco Mendicino. Uh, that's the statement you're looking at actually right now. Is it from Brenda Lucky herself in making the 
the announcement. I announced that I have made a personal decision, she says, to retire. This was not an easy decision, as I love the RCMP and have loved being the 24th commissioner. Uh, we are standing by to get some more reaction from the federal government, but Marco Medicino, the Minister of Public Safety, which oversees the RCMP, says, I want to thank Commissioner Lucky for her years of service to the RCMP. He tweeted this out. From training new recruits, recruits rather, at Depot to becoming the Mounties' first woman commissioner, she has dedicated her life to keeping Canadians safe. Uh, I think we do have, uh, we are starting rather to get some political reaction in as well. This is Glenn Motts, uh, a uh, Conservative MP. He just, just spoke. Probably overly yanked around by public safety, by the minister and by this government, and uh, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I wish her well in retirement and I thank you for her service. That's Conservative MP Glenn Motz. He certainly has sat on a number of committees uh, that made a bunch of inquiries and, and certainly put uh, uh, Commissioner Lucky on the hot seat over a number of issues. I have spoken in that previous interview about some of the controversies that surrounded her time at the helm of the RCMP, including uh, her, her, her sort of behavior, her, the decision-making during the emergency, the invocation of the Emergencies Act, and then subsequently the uh, commission that took place here in Ottawa. Uh, there was also allegations of political impropriety uh, made leveled at her by other members of the RCMP during the inquiry into the Nova Scotia mass shooting. Uh, and that, is a, that was around gun laws and the federal government. And then early in her tenure, uh, as you heard Mr. Sauvé indicate, there was uh, a lot of focus on uh, police forces and the issue of race. And in an interview, I, I believe on the CBC, she she sort of uh, denied the existence of systemic racism and then had to walk back those words. And there was a lot of controversy surrounding that as well. Let's get some more perspective now on uh, on the decision that Commissioner Lucky made to retire uh, and what comes next for the force uh, from from two former members of it. Former RCMP major crime investigator Bruce Pitt Payne is here and retired RCMP officer Sherry uh, Benson uh, Poldachuk is here as well. Hello to both of you. Thank you very much for making the time. Uh, Bruce, Hello. why don't I start with you? Uh, I think my producer said that you were you, you, you were not necessarily surprised, but did, did des definitely have a reaction to this. Uh, how, how significant do you think it is that Brenda Lucky is retiring before the government says, actually, we're not going to renew your, your tenor? <laughs> I mean, we will never know unless she says exactly why she retired. Uh, but let's be fair to her in one sense is we all retire at some point. So it could be just she's had enough of the game. Um, so I want to be fair there. But I also want to say uh, as an ex-member, I'm happy to see it happening because I think that there's been a, a lack of leadership. I think the force has gone downhill in the public eye. Uh, not just because of her, it's been even before that with the previous commissioners. But for people like me, it, it was really depressing to watch the force as an organization hurt itself over and over and over again with Commissioner Lucky at the helm, and she has to take responsibility for that. Sherry, what was your impression of, uh, of the commissioner and her performance over the years since 2018? Uh, thank you for having me, Vashi. I, I have a different opinion. I think that she 
had she came to the helm when there were so many systemic problems within the RCMP that it's going to take uh, probably a couple of commissioners to actually fix the workplace culture that they're dealing with right now. And uh, the events that happened, boom, 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 it was just overwhelming, not only as a as each community was dealing with the, the tragedies of, of, of the events that were happening in Nova Scotia, in, in Ontario, in Saskatchewan, in BC, all these things happened under her tenure. And I, I think she did a, a, the best job she could, considering the, the, the monumental task of, of first addressing the workplace culture. And I, what I see is, you know, she's done her part for, the, for king and country now, you know, all these over 30 years of service. And she's made some positive changes. I see those positive changes. And I'm hoping that, you know, her legacy is showing that it's possible for women now to achieve the ultimate goal, if that is their goal, to be commissioner in the RCMP. And I, I wish her the very, very best in her retirement. Sherry, I just want to follow up with you before I bring Bruce in, because I think it is of note that um, that Commissioner Lucky is the first woman uh, to, to hold that job. And and um, I take your point on, on all the and, and Mr. Sove made a lot of those, too, right, on the, the positive changes that have resulted from her tenure. But I think it's it, it, it is true that she also faced a number of controversies. Right. And yeah. you can we can debate the, the merits of those. But but she certainly like the, the question was always there. Will she stay on in that job how, for how long? Uh, is there political support among the, you know, the front benches of the of the federal government? Do, do you think that that um, will dissuade women from trying to be in that position? Or do you think the fact that she has held it uh, will do its part to, to make sure that more women uh, venture to, to, to hold the, the job? I, 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 I'm an optimist. I'm a realist, but I'm an optimist. I see, I see more people talking about, oh, I, you know, I'm going to join or I'm a corporal. I'm going to keep going and try to achieve superintendent, chief superintendent. So I do, I do see some positive things there. And yes, I will agree that there have been some missteps, but you know, anytime you're in the public, uh, the public arena. Any any time you make a mistake, it's it's in the news again and again and again and again. And so I think I like to. I my concern is that whoever takes her place will revert to the old ways, and we'll be ten years from now we'll be having these same conversations about the same problems that she's been trying to change. So it's I'm wondering how who well how the government will. Uh, pick the next person to replace her because I think anytime a new person comes in a leadership role they already have their own agenda what they want to do and I'm hoping that they will continue with what the, some of the positive changes that she's done as well as being mindful of the mistakes and errors that were learned along the way so take the lessons not the pain to move forward and create a better organization. Bruce, when you look ahead to the the next appointment, the person who replaces Brenda Lucky, what do you think the most uh, the the biggest challenge they 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 will face is? Well, the first thing I do want to say is I agree with a lot of what Brenda has said. This is not about all about Brenda Lucky um, and and other issues where yes, some people may try to besmirch her character and what she's done because of who she is and and the placement and. That would not be called for. Here's the biggest problem with the next one is it's just another person put in that seat. If that is what's going to happen, then it's up to the federal government to make decisions that allow and encourage the RCMP to actually grow and 
fulfill the mandate and the desires that even Brenda Lucky said she had when she first came into her term. So this is more than just about the commissioner of the RCMP. The RCMP needs change. If you don't adapt, we all know what happened to the dinosaurs. And it's time that the RCMP adapts and says we are not perfect, we have issues, and that's up to the government to say, here you go, we're going to fully support you. It, it hasn't happened, so it's not all about Brenda. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, both of you, for sharing your insights with us this evening. Really appreciate it. We continue to follow the breaking news that RCMP Commissioner <laughs> Brenda Lucky has announced. She, thank you. She is retiring. Uh, the Prime Minister has just put out a tweet. He has uh, uh, landed overseas, and he says, Thank you, Commissioner Lucky, for your many years of service and for your work to keep Canadians across the country safe. As you head into your next chapter, I'm wishing you and your family the very best. We will stay on top of any more reaction as it comes into our newsroom and bring it to you. But we are also tracking another big story, what's happening at Toronto City Hall, where uh, Mayor John Tory has said he is going to resign, but is actually in the middle of budget deliberations and hasn't done so yet. We're going to take you there live in just a moment. Stay right there. You can see there Toronto City Council is debating its budget, but there's heckling and booing going on following the news. It's mayor on the left of your screen there. John Tory has announced he's resigning, but hasn't yet done so. Uh, Tory made that announcement Friday that he'd stepped down from the city's top job after the Toronto Star broke the news of his relationship with a 31-year-old woman in his office. He's been mayor for eight years. He was recently re-elected for a third term. When he announced he resigned, the reaction was uh, a bit divided, including among Toronto City Council itself. There has been reporting that both Ontario's Premier Doug Ford and uh, Canada's Finance Minister Christian Freeland called up the mayor to uh, ensure that he would stick around, that he would not actually go through with the resignation. Uh, here is some reaction to that speculation. When I have something to say about my position, I have no problem saying it clearly myself. Um, in this case, the story that was published is entirely untrue. It is entirely inaccurate. And I am glad to have the chance to be clear and categorical on the record saying that. There's your private family and then there's business. And I can tell you, uh, Mayor Tory has been a phenomenal partner. He's been a, a really good mayor for the city of Toronto. And just in my opinion, uh, it's not time to change. So you can see their split reaction among politicians as well as the public. Let's get more now from CTV's Heather Butts. She's there live. Hi, Heather. Good to see you. Tell me a bit about what's unfolded today uh, at City Hall. 
Uh, certainly, Vashi. It's been quite the dramatic day at City Hall. Uh, I'm back here now in the uh, in the Toronto newsroom. Uh, but at City Hall today, Vashi, a lot of support for Tory. A lot of people saying that he needs to go and that he needs to go immediately. Now, the budget that was on the table today, that still is on the table today, I should say, um, would have been controversial even without this recent news of Tory announcing on Friday that he had an affair with a staffer. And so even before Friday, there would have been people likely at this meeting uh, quite upset about the budget. Uh, one of the most controversial issues, if you will, is the fact that there's a $48 million increase to police funding. There's, of course, a lot of people in Toronto don't want to see that happening. Not a lot of increase in the budget towards uh, Toronto's shelter projects and, and issues that would help those uh, who are unhoused in this city. So it was a bit controversial to begin with. And now with Tory staying on, as you mentioned, he said he would resign on Friday. He has yet to do so. So there's a lot of people there today at Toronto City Hall saying that he shouldn't be the one there overseeing this budget. After all, if he does resign, it's up to councillors to carry it on, even though it was a budget that he crafted. Okay, thanks so much, Heather. Heather Butts in our newsroom in Toronto. Let's get some more reaction now from two Toronto City Councillors. Diane Sachs represents University Rosedale, and James Pasternak rather represents York Centre. Hello to both of you. Thank you very much for for making the How time, Mr. Pasternak. I'll, I'll start with you. Good, thank you. I'll start with you. Uh, we're obviously speaking to a national audience here, but everyone I think was watching when John Tory announced he was resigning Friday night. Uh, that hasn't happened yet to a, a number of of Torontonians and Canadians surprise. Do you support him staying on or do you think he needs to make good on what he said Friday evening? Well, look, I think we have to have a, a pause here. We have to look at whether Torontonians really want an unnecessary by-election that's going to cost us 15 to 18 million dollars. We've already put this in the hands of the Integrity Commissioner. I think we, uh, we owe it uh, the time to, um, to read that report and make a decision. And at the same time, uh, I think we've uh, we've suggested to the uh, mayor uh, that he huddle with his family, take a leave of absence, and uh, really think this through before coming back. Ms. Sachs, what's your, what's your sentiment on the on the same issue? Uh, like I said, um, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Tory said, Mayor Tory said on Friday, I don't. Well, I want to avoid. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. I want to avoid all the stuff that would happen as a result of this, all the distraction from the business of city council. But that is essentially what's happening right now. What are your feelings on whether he should stay or go? I think the mayor should honor the pledge he made to the public on Friday that he was going to step down. I think it was clearly an abuse of his office to carry on a sexual relationship with a young woman under his direct authority that is inherently an abuse of power. And at this point, he's damaging the city with uncertainty by hanging on. Uh, we've seen this pattern before where somebody promises to resign and then drags it out and that uncertainty would be very harmful to the city. He made a decision. It was a good decision. He's committed to the public that he's going to resign and I think he should. Uh, Mr. Pasternak, what do, you, what do you make of that? Is there uh, some merit to the idea that this is kind of creating some instability? I would agree with that. Uh, the the uh, Not only the resignation uh, uh, on Friday night, which was probably ill-advised, I would have recommended him send out a press release uh, admitting to the basic facts of the situation and apologizing and using the weekend to huddle with his family and to speak with colleagues. You know, I want to make it clear that we cannot condone this behavior. 
in any way. It's totally inappropriate uh, for uh, a manager, a supervisor, a counselor uh, to have a relationship of this kind uh, with their staff. I want to make that clear. And it's a gross violation of city policy. But we want to, we have the city in, in a very tenable uh, position uh, where going out and taking the high risk of a very expensive election with money we do not have uh, and risking the instability over the next several months as we potentially have an election and uh, uh, try and bring in a, a new mayor uh, at a time when the city has a fiscal crisis, a social crisis. Uh, the veneer of city of Toronto is very thin. Uh, we have uh, problems with public safety. We have problems with meeting our financial obligations. Um, and it's the fastest growing city uh, in North America. And we have growing pains. So the people of Toronto don't want to spend $18 million on a by-election. They want uh, the stability of leadership. But at the same time, I think this mayor has to take a pause, has to take some time with his family, a leave of absence, and make sure he's doing the right thing. Ms. Sachs, is, I'll, I'll sort of, yeah, let me just ask, though, is there is there some merit to the point that Mr. Pasternak is making around the uh, lack of desire for the whole electoral process to, to ensue again so soon after the last one? I think, first of all, in terms of the finance, the city always keeps money set aside for by-elections. Uh, by-elections can occur for all kinds of reasons, and democracy does have a cost. It's cheaper to have a dictator. I don't want to live in that kind of city. It's true that we did just have an election not very long ago, but we didn't have a full and open conversation about the future of the city. It was very clear that Mr. Tory had a commanding lead um, by virtue of being an incumbent, the enormous power of the incumbency. So we didn't have a really detailed conversation. And you also have to remember that throughout that election, Mr. Tory kept two secrets. One, of course, was the affair, but the more important one was that he was negotiating with the premier to create minority rule in Toronto. So to seriously undermine democracy. Are you and referencing the strong mayor powers? I'm referencing the minority rule powers. There's, there's two parts of strong mayor. Uh, parts that were public during the election, but this part that the mayor could make whatever rules he wanted, anything relating to in any way to housing or infrastructure with only one third of council, which means the majority of the city could be disenfranchised. That was a secret deal that he made with Doug Ford during the election and didn't tell anybody about. And so we haven't had a debate about it. This gives us an opportunity to have a serious public debate. The other thing I have to say is that the proposal that Mr. Pasternak makes just means extending the uncertainty for a long period of time. So if the mayor took off a couple of months during that whole two months, we wouldn't know what was going to happen. And then we'd have to start the process of the by-election um, through the summer. No, nobody likes having elections during the summer. And so it would be a prolonged period of uncertainty, and that's exactly what we need to avoid. We need to get on with it. We need to rip off the Band-Aid and get into serious grips with the really major problems that we have. Um, uh, Mr. Pasternak, I just have a, a few minutes left. I just wanted to find out from you. Have you been able to speak with Mayor Tory? Have you conveyed to him? Because there's all this reporting, right, and, and our viewers will be familiar with it. Some people want him to stay. Some people want him to go. Like, have you had any conversations? Do you know that he is reticent. Obviously, we, we've drawn that conclusion because he hasn't submitted his papers, but is he reticent to now actually resign? Yes, yeah, so we have had conversation with him, and uh, the the press conference on the Friday night, as I mentioned before, was, was 
probably a big mistake. Um, he really should have taken the weekend to, to think the whole thing through. Um, that being said, he is um, torn now um, between staying and, and going. And we thought, uh, as, as colleagues and as friends, I've known him for over 20 years, we would, we would treat him as a human being and, and say, this is what we suggest. Uh, short leave of absence, huddle with your family, make sure uh, you're making, making the right decisions. Let's see what the integrity commissioner uh, has to say. And if you feel uh, right about coming back to the, the city, uh, then, then let's deal with it. Uh, look, uh, you know, the strong mayor powers are in good hands with, with him. He won't abuse them. Uh, but if you go to uh, an unpredictable election uh, that we don't know the outcome, uh, you know, these more strong mayor powers could fall into the hands of the wrong person. And then the city's really well, in trouble. I'm yeah, I think we can we can have a separate debate about the merits of the strong uh, mayor program uh, powers and who will or won't abuse them. I think that's a, a, at the moment. I know it's part of this conversation, but it's it's a different one. Just really quickly, I have two seconds left, Mr. Pasternak. When you made those points to to Mayor Tory and when others are making those points, is he receptive to them? Like, do you say he's torn? Is he considering taking that leave? When friends and colleagues give advice, uh, he, he is he was listening very carefully, and he didn't discount it uh, out of hand. He he was very thoughtful. He was uh, listening carefully. He was weighing all the options. But at the end of the day, we emphasize the importance of family. That he had to speak to his family first, get their counsel, and then and then see whether it can all work. Whether he can come back. Whether he can build bridges with his counsel, and whether he can do. Uh, this job effectively okay. and, and, and move on from the scandal. Okay, I have to leave it there. I'm out of time. I want to thank both of you very much for making the time for this conversation this evening. Diane Sachs represents University of Rosedale and James Pasternak represents York Center. We're going to take a quick commercial break here on Power Play, but when we come back, we'll turn back to our top story. Brenda Lucky, the commissioner of the RCMP, has announced, the embattled commissioner of the RCMP has announced she's resigning. We'll also have a roundup of the other political stories you need to know about. That's next. Welcome back to Power Play on this Wednesday evening. We continue to track the major news that Brenda Lucky, the RCMP's commissioner, has announced she is resigning from the position. She, of course, faced multiple controversies, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. I also want to let you know what else happened in politics today. Here's the list. The Prime Minister arriving in the Bahamas this hour to meet with Caribbean leaders today and tomorrow. The ongoing political and security crisis in Haiti, though, is expected to dominate discussions there. Gang-fueled violence has been raging since the country's prime minister was assassinated in 2021. The U.S. has actually suggested Canada could lead some kind of military intervention in Haiti. But the feds here have so far said they hope to find a Haitian-led solution to a, quote, egregious security crisis. I will say that our defense spending has been increasing since 2017, uh, indeed uh, by 70 percent. And we also had an $8 billion commitment in our last federal budget. Having said that, we need to make sure that we recognize that Canada is the sixth largest defense spender of the alliance. And in terms of getting new money out the door, Canada is one of the leaders. 
Defense Minister Anita Anand there defending Canada's spending record today after a NATO meeting in Brussels ended with no new agreement on spending. Defense ministers were debating whether the current target for allies, the one that asks them to spend 2% of GDP on defense, is sufficient given the war in Ukraine. Canada has yet to meet the 2% target, though promised defense spending in recent years has increased substantially. And last week on this program, International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan told us his government would have a decision by now on the role Canada can play in Turkey following the devastating earthquake there and in Syria that's now killed more than 41,000 people. We have been asking for that update all week. So far, we've only received previously announced details. Last week, the government did announce $10 million in humanitarian assistance and a commitment to match donations to key aid organizations up to a maximum of $10 million. And the Canadian housing market started the year with sales at a 14-year low. January home sales were down 37.1% compared to January of last year, and prices fell 1.9% month over month to a rate 12.6% lower than last January. The national average sale price declined more than 18% year over year. Stay right there. Up next, the front bench is here. We're going to talk about Brenda Lucky's surprise retirement. Stay with us. Back in a moment. It is clear, though, over the period of her tenure at the RCMP that there are a number of issues that were not dealt with, the challenges that the RCMP faces uh, that have an impact on Canadian society. And the federal government needs to take good care to ensure that the next commissioner that steps up deals with these issues. NDP MP Peter Julian there reflecting on Brenda Lucky's uh, decision to retire from the RCMP. Just announced this afternoon, she stepped into the role of RCMP commissioner in 2018. Her statement released, as I said, just this afternoon reads in part, uh, today I announced that I have made a personal decision to retire. This was not an easy decision as I love the RCMP and have loved being the 24th commissioner. I'm so incredibly proud, Lucky writes, to have had the opportunity to lead this historic organization and witness firsthand the tremendous work being done each and every day by all employees from coast to coast to coast and internationally. As I, I think I said, the commissioner, uh, Brenda Lucky, served in that role since late 2018. However, she also uh, has been a member of the RCMP for 37 years. I want to bring in our front bench to talk a little bit about some of the uh, larger political consequences of this decision. With me this evening, former Nova Scotia Premier Stephen McNeil. Uh, former Alberta cabinet minister and head of the Canada West Foundation, Gary Marr. Uh, I believe former BC Premier Ujjal Dessange is somewhere here, but we're having connectivity issues. So we'll wait for him to, to join us in a moment. And Joyce Napier, uh, CTV News' Ottawa Bureau Chief, is with us as well. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Um, uh, Stephen, I'm going to start with you because I know that during, uh, you know, un unfortunately, under terrible circumstances, you would have uh, had many interactions with Commissioner Lucky given the uh, terrible tragedy that unfolded in Nova Scotia uh, back in 2020. Uh, what, what was your reaction here today to the, the news that she is retiring? So I had very few interactions with the commissioner. I spoke mostly of that I would have dealt with uh, the local leadership, but local I'm not surprised. Side. If we look over uh, the last four or five years from uh, Port of Pic to uh, what we've seen when it came out with the convoy and the inquiry around the convoy, 
uh, I think the fact that uh, the institution itself uh, was oblivious to the fact of systemic racism in it and every other institution that's been put together over decades uh, had been acknowledging the fact there was systemic racism in it. Uh, my caution would be uh, to to everyone, uh, the commissioner has uh, is acknowledged he's stepping down. I think what Canadians should demand and should expect is what is going to happen to this institution. Uh, some of the challenges of this institution don't lie at the feet of of uh, this commissioner, if you go back to 2020, there was an independent analysis done by Chief uh, Supreme Court Justice, talked about the toxic, uh, misogynistic uh, work environment. Uh, those are the kinds of things that uh, I think we need to have a full conversation about what is the role of the RCMP as we go forward, uh, and what does the modern RCMP look like that reflects the Canadian values of today. Uh, Joyce, I saw you nodding as, as Stephen was l laying that out there. Uh, I think it's true. You know, prior to, to Brenda Lucky, I remember covering a lot of other controversies on the Hill involving, for example, the use of um, combines and, and not equipping the force properly. And, you know, those questions of, uh, you know, systemic racism or, or other big questions about the way the force works. When you look ahead, what do you think the, the biggest challenge they face is? Well, is, is to find the person that can do that, the person that has the knowledge, because they were lack, there was some lacks in, 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 in what she knew. She did not have, for instance, any sort of senior management position. Yes, as you said, she was a member of the RCMP, but she probably, you know, had a hard time trying to figure out, and, and we know how difficult it is to navigate Ottawa, to figure out what is the relationship of the commissioner of the RCMP with her political masters. Uh, what is the role, really, of the RCMP? And we saw, we saw those, those failings. But we have to say, to, 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 to her credit, she, she lasted almost five years. And, you know, her predecessors didn't do a lot better than she has in changing that culture. Um, the former premier was talking about Justice Bastarash's mm -hmm. report. Uh, there were other reports. This is a, a, a police force that is facing a, a legal challenges as well, like a $1 billion a suit from former employees. So she inherited already um, a, a, an organization that needed bad repair and did not was not given the tools to do so. So I'm not going to put all the blame on her, uh, but perhaps, you know, her appointment should have been better thought out because she was thrown into a very difficult role. Yeah, as, as Joyce was talking there, Gary, it, I think it becomes evident that the next person also inherits, though, a lot of that stuff, right? Are we, uh, you know, is, is it almost an impossible job? Like, is it too big of a task to try and reform something as massive and um, as sort of uh, stuck as the RCMP at times? It will be very difficult. And uh, like Joyce, I have uh, some empathy for the challenges that Commissioner Lucky had, uh, but I would be hard-pressed to think of a sort of better summary of the tumultuous uh, tenure that she had than what uh, Premier McNeil laid out. I, I would say that uh, it does yield a very important job um, and the qualifications, uh, the number of people that have the qualifications to take over in this role would be a relatively small number of people. But I would say that communications was one of the failings of Commissioner Lucky, uh, that if you looked at uh, her um, sort of response to whether there was systemic racism within the RCMP, it, it seemed to be quite tone deaf. And I, I think that, you know, having uh, somebody within the RCMP that can help um, sort of uh, 
craft those messages in a way that seemed um, more appropriate for, as Premier McNeil said, you know, what the contemporary RCMP should look like, I think would be one of the jobs that needs to be done. I think Ujjal, and and Ujjal is with us now, so that's great. Uh, Gary hits on an important piece there of why there kept being questions about whether Commissioner Lucky would remain in that position. The communications around a number of the controversies she faced from systemic racism to the inquiry into uh, what happened in Nova Scotia to the uh, invocation of the Emergencies Act and the commission there and, and the way sort of her answers to many of the questions there left people wanting a lot more and, and almost seemed confusing at times. Like, how much do you think that was uh, a contributing factor ultimately to, to wanting to get out of this role? I think you might be on mute. <laughs> at, at, at some point. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, from my perspective, I've been sort of reading about her um, uh, all the time when she was in the controversies. Um, it seems to me that the RCMP commissioners have never been able to figure out what their relationship is with Ottawa. And I think one of the things that we need to do uh, as, a, as a country, we need to actually get the RCMP commissioner moved away from being um, a deputy minister to uh, a federal minister. They should be independent and not subordinate to a minister because policing is an independent role and therefore they shouldn't be accountable to the minister in terms of public policy or what they do and how they do. I mean, the um, the issue around the Nova Scotia inquiry as to what she said uh, to one of her juniors on a telephone call, it, in fact, cries out for that independent role. She shouldn't be made to, uh, uh, you know, seek information that the minister wants for a political reason. And she fell into that trap and she was legitimately criticized for that. And I think that that, that sort of, for me, I was also on the, um, the Justice Committee uh, looking into the RCMP when I was in the opposition for a while. And that was one of the issues we were raising at that time, that, that we should actually re-examine this relationship. It is fundamental to how independent an RCMP should be working. Yeah, I should just quickly note, she rejected the idea, the accusation that, that she had been politically influenced in, in that incident. But certainly she was criticized, as you point out. Trust me, I know. We, we covered it. She was criticized for that very fact. Um, Stephen, on the point, though, that Ujjal raises about kind of more separation between the force and the line of accountability, do, do you think that is something that should be considered? Well, listen, uh, let's, let's go back to the, uh, I think, the fundamental question. Th- this is a cultural issue with inside of this organization. Uh, whoever is chosen to be the commissioner, whether they're the distance between the, the federal government and them uh, is less important to me, and whether or not they are committed to a cultural change. Uh, there has to be time after time after time uh, people are telling you this organization has challenges. Uh, whether it is the report that I spoke to earlier, whether it's what we saw happen uh, in Nova Scotia around the mass shooting, uh, whether it is the issue around uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, The head of this organization has to be prepared to stand up and say the RCMP of the 1950s is not qualified as a national organization for 2020-2030. We need a new organization, one that reflects who we are today, and it needs Canadians, uh, more so, quite frankly, than than the politicians. It needs Canadians to rally around that call. Because let's face it, we all 
uh, we all find pride in this red surge in the Mountie who we see, whether it's here uh, at events or whether we see it around the world. It's a symbol of who our country is. Uh, but the reality of it is that culture, that organization needs an overhaul. Uh, and uh, that overhaul has to start within it, uh, in my view, uh, from uh, leadership right down to the front lines. Uh, and that would be my, my take on uh, less about whether or not the connection is, because I fundamentally believe good people, regard you know, uh, their their job their job is to enforce the law of the land. Uh, you know, recognizing they're not going to put their organization at stake. Uh, Commissioner Lucky obviously didn't uh, disagreed with the position that others said she did with uh, uh, her colleagues in Nova Scotia. I'm not going to question that, but I will tell you there is a lack of uh, lack of direction and lack of change in that organization that will be required. Joyce, I just have 30 seconds. Last word to you. Okay, the the timing should not. You know, we got to talk about the timing. This is a few days before the, the release of the commission, yeah. the Emergencies Act. This is a great opportunity for the government to perhaps reform their RCMP Act. This is probably a time because there will be recommendations. Let's look at those. It, was it a coincidence that she decided to step down before the release of this report, which is a very important report? So we got to look at a lot of things and also the role of the government in this. Are we going to reform the Act? Will the next RCMP commissioner at least have an advisory board? Um, you know, will they, they, this of civilians? Min, yeah. of civilians as was as she had, but only two years ago, right? right? So she spent a few years, right. basically, uh, you know, trying to to find her way in an organization that was probably not always very friendly. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for the discussion, Joyce Napier, Gary Marr, Ujjal Desange, and Stephen McNeil. Today's takeaway after a quick break. Back with more on Power Play just ahead. Today's takeaway is the significant news that the RCMP's commissioner, Brenda Lucky, has announced she is retiring. She's been in that top job for nearly five years, but they have been a very controversial five years. I'll start off and read you some of what she said in making that announcement through an internal memo to members of the RCMP. That statement in part read, Today I announced that I have made a personal decision to retire. This was not an easy decision, as I love the RCMP and have loved being the 24th commissioner. I'm so incredibly proud to have had the opportunity to lead this historic organization and witness firsthand the tremendous work being done each and every day by all employees from coast to coast to coast, internationally and internationally rather. And we've also got some reaction uh, from the prime minister as well. He tweeted upon landing in the Bahamas, thank you, Commissioner Lucky, for your many years of service and for your work to keep Canadians across the country safe. As you head into your next chapter, I'm wishing you and your family the very best. There certainly have been a number of questions over the last five years about how long Commissioner Lucky planned to stand, uh, stay in that role, uh, thanks to a number of controversies involving uh, systemic racism in the force, involving her behavior or her interactions with the invocation of the Emergencies Act. And by the way, the commission is set to release their report on that invocation any day now. Um, and then also uh, some political controversy surrounding allegations against her with the Nova Scotia mass shooting. We're going to stay on top of any reaction to that retirement and bring it to you as it comes in. Right now, I'll hand things over to my colleague, Morella Fernandez. Have a great night.